You may be seated. Well, so last week in John chapter 6, we heard Jesus declare, I am the bread of life. And we, and we talked about the fact that Jesus is the full and final satisfaction for every human soul, including yours and mine. But what about when life is hard? What about when you find yourself living in the wilderness, the valley, the desert? When life is hard, when push comes to shove, is Jesus really worth it? Is it really worth following him? Well, today we're back in chapter 6 of John's Gospel, and specifically uh, verses 66 to 71. And Jesus asks those closest to him, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave? And when life is hard, what's your answer? So as we get back into chapter 6, I, I want to point out that there is a, a stark contrast between the very beginning of the chapter and where we are now at the end. So at, at the beginning of chapter 6, Jesus has a growing crowd of people around him, the feeding of, of the 5,000. And it moves into upwards of, of 20,000 people. And then the, the bread of life discourse, which is what we just uh, uh, were in for, for part of uh, last week. But then now at the end of the chapter, we find Jesus basically alone with the 12. And one of them is revealed to be a traitor. So that brings us to our passage today, John chapter 6, verses 66 to 71. Let's go to our God in prayer, and then we will hear from his word. Well, Lord, we thank you once again for your written word that you have given to us and through which, by the power of your spirit, we see Jesus, the living word. And so we pray now, we ask that you would open your word to us and us to your word, that you would enable us to hear and to see, and that we might believe in him all the more. And it's in his name we pray, amen. And so John 6, beginning with verse 66, hear the word of God. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. And this is God's word. So again, there, there's been a shift in, in, chapter, in chapter 6, a shift 
uh, where throughout most of the chapter, Jesus is surrounded by a huge crowd of people, thousands and thousands of people. And now at the end, we see Jesus with only the 12. And so why the shift? Well, it's because of something that Jesus has said. It's because of a hard saying. That's right, a hard saying. And so that's the first thing that we're going to talk about this morning. First thing we're going to look at is the hard saying of Jesus. We see that, that many who had just been following him, just in this previous day, that they turn around and they walk away. Again, they walk away because of something that Jesus has just said. So if you go back in verse 60, it's there that we see many people are complaining. They're complaining, saying this, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? So what's the it? What's the hard saying? Well, we we find it summarized uh, back in verse 53 where Jesus says that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood. So that's the hard saying. It's hard to accept. Now, at first, the people may think that Jesus is speaking literally, which would be gross. But, but, but he's not. He makes clear that he is speaking spiritually. Uh, saying, for instance, in places like verse 63, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. Nonetheless, it remains a hard saying. Now, the Greek word for hard is skleros. Okay, it's where we get our English word sclerosis. And here it doesn't mean hard to understand, though, though clearly this is deep with meaning. Uh, but rather, here, in, in our case, it means hard to accept. So the, the people complain that this is hard to accept, it's hard to tolerate. This is outrageous, ridiculous, offensive. It's too hard to swallow. Now, you've had that experience. I want you to think back to uh, when you're a kid. It's winter time, and you develop a cough, and you try to hide it from mom and dad. And why? Because you know what they're going to do. They're going to pull out that dreaded, nasty-tasting cough medicine. And, I mean, it, it, it's gotten a little better, but not a whole lot today. And so my kids are the same way, trying to cover up the cough. We hear it. We're like, hey, here you go. And they run. They don't want it. It's horrible. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. It's offensive. I don't want this. This medicine is too hard to swallow. Well, here, the people are offended by this prescription that Jesus gives to them. Well, then he elaborates. He challenges them uh, further. Basically saying, if you think this is offensive, oh, wait until you see the full offense of the gospel. Wait until you see when I am lifted up on a cross. Wait until you see what it takes for me to save you from your sins. What Jesus is getting at is that in and of ourselves, we are completely helpless before God. Now, if if you've been in church for for some length of time, I mean, you've heard that before. And so it might just kind of roll off of you. Yeah, yeah, of course we're helpless before God. But deep down, 
We don't like that. We don't want to be helpless. But the truth is that there is nothing, nothing we can do to earn or to maintain God's favor. And so what the gospel does is it exposes us. It exposes our, our total inability, our complete ineptness when it comes to relating rightly to God. And we don't want to be inept. We don't want to be helpless. We are allergic to need. But we need a Savior. We need a Savior to rescue us, a Lord to take over our lives and to lead us. And that's offensive. It's too hard to swallow. And so like the crowd, we just we, we don't want to be needy. We don't want somebody. We sure don't want somebody lording over our lives. We want to be self-sufficient, capable, able to take care of ourselves, do it on our own, in our own way. And further, if we're honest... Really what we want a lot of the times, what we'd really like is a genie in the bottle type of Jesus. You know, just rub the bottle or the Bible and the Jesus genie comes out, asks what you want. You tell him in prayer to make it, you know, more spiritual. And then he just gives you whatever you ask for. And we all do this. We all do it to varying degrees, punching that button on the Jesus vending machine, hoping that what we want is going to come out of it. What we want, when we want it, right? But what happens when we don't get what we want? What do we do? When life is hard, when push comes to shove, what do you do? What do you do? Well, here we see that Many people walk away from Jesus that day. They didn't get what they wanted. And so Jesus now turns. He turns to the twelve, the original disciples. He turns from this hard saying to now a hard question. A hard question. And so that's the second thing that we're going to look at, the hard question of Jesus. And we find it in verse 67. Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to leave? Do you want to walk away? Now, I want you to note that this is not a pity plea. Okay, Jesus is not feeling sorry for himself. Oh, what happened to the thousands and thousands of people that were following me? They've all left. What about you? It's not, no. He doesn't feel sorry for himself. No, rather what Jesus is doing here is he is confronting, he is challenging those closest to him. He is drawing a line in the sand in such a way as to clarify what is really in their hearts, to reveal what is there, and then to refine it. Jesus is asking when life is hard, what are you going to do? Do you want to go away as well? Which brings us to another question. What makes you want to leave? What makes you want to walk away? Well, for most, if not all, it's, it's hardship. 
difficulty, suffering, disappointment, loss, especially when it's unexpected, it's extreme, it's, it's intense, it's ongoing, it gets to the point of being unbearable, especially when life just doesn't make sense. And so when life is hard, when push comes to shove, whether we realize it consciously or not, we are often asking in our hearts, is Jesus really worth it? Is he really worth following? Is it worth following him? Well, one of the areas in my life that's uh, continually difficult, uh, that's daily difficult, uh, really, and, and some of you aware, uh, are aware of this. I've shared it from the pulpit uh, before and in conversations with some of you as well. But some of you know that I struggle with chronic fatigue, and, and I have for many years. Of course, the, the pandemic hasn't helped. Uh, it's intensified that, made it a lot more uh, challenging. But those with, with chronic fatigue syndrome, they're tired pretty much all the time. No matter how much sleep they get or how well they've rested, they're just tired. And so I really first started to notice this in my 20s, and so I was in my mid-20s when I first went and saw some doctors about it and then did so again just a few years ago. Now, you probably don't notice it on a Sunday morning. You might not notice it, and in part because I'm an extrovert, and so my extroversion often masks that. I mean, I can get up and be pretty tired, but I, I know I'm going to be around people, and that, that gives me a sense, of energi- a, a sense of energy, kind of energizes me. You know, plus, also, it, it's obviously not uh, debilitating for me like it is for some. But, it, but it's still limiting and difficult and, and thus frustrating. And so as I, as I look back over the years, I realized that in my 20s, my youth compensated for it a lot. I was, I was just naturally stronger, naturally more reserves, and so I could, I could really fight and push through that. And then I, I rolled into my 30s, and it became more difficult. And then uh, Heather and I had our children, three ch- children in, in quick succession, and, and we all know uh, that children can give chronic fatigue to anyone, right? But seriously, the older I get, the more difficult, the more challenging it becomes on a daily basis. And and it's because I have less natural reserves. And yet that's what I want. I want to have that strength, that energy in and of myself, on my own. I want to be able to just do life without worrying about that. And so because it can be so, so frustrating, I can easily start spinning on the what-ifs, uh, the if-onlys. You know, what if, that, what if this, what if that, if only this. You know what I'm talking about. If only, you know, God, if only you would take this constant fatigue from me. If only you would grant me just the natural energy that I see so many other people get after a night's rest. And now I might even turn it and, and we'll... You know, God, I could serve you better. You know, God, don't you realize that, that I would be a better father, a better husband, uh, a more effective uh, pastor and preacher? God, don't, don't you see that? Don't you realize that? Now, some of you deal with much more 
difficult issues on a daily basis. But whatever it is, our hearts cry out, please, God, take this hardship from me. In our hearts, we are often asking, God, don't you see? Do you really care? And those are big questions. But the bigger question is this. The bigger question is, do I trust him? Do I trust him and him alone, no matter what? Well, Peter is faced with that question. Peter is is faced with that question. And, And what's his response? Well, we see it here, verses 68 and 69. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Lord, to whom shall we go? Now, I've often wondered if Peter is just, if he's just resigned at this moment. I don't know, but possibly. I mean, if you think about his life, if you know much about his life, especially since he started following Jesus, he's really had to come and face his his limitations, his own inabilities. It's challenging for him. And if you just think back over the, the past day that he's had with Jesus, it went from Mr. Popular Jesus with thousands and thousands around him to all of a sudden they leave. And this guy that he's following isn't so popular anymore. And it's hard. And so when life is hard, when push comes to shove, is Jesus really worth following? Is he really worth it? Well, Peter says yes. Peter says yes. I I don't get it sometimes. I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But Jesus is all I've got. And whether he's resigned or not, Regardless, either way, he is expressing true faith. He's expressing true faith. Why? Because he is looking to Jesus and to him alone. Whether in his confidence or in his weakness, he turns and says, Lord, you're it. That's all he's got. And that's all he needs. Bruce Milne says, The only true security is having no security except the mercy of God. Leslie Newbegin says, To truly believe is to have been brought to the place where you know that you have to completely rely on Jesus and on Jesus alone because there is nothing and no one else. You see, it's ultimately Jesus plus nothing. To whom shall we go? There is no one else. And so I want to end uh, with this. It's one of my favorite illustrations from uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Those beloved books where we encounter the the great lion, Aslan, uh, the Christ figure in the stories and 
And in the book, The Silver Chair, uh, we meet a young girl named Jill Pohl. And she wakes up one day, lost and alone in the woods. She's scared, and she is dying of thirst. And there's no water around her. And, and she begins to hear something, and it sounds like running water. And so she begins to follow that sound. And, and finally, she comes to the edge of the woods, and at the edge of the woods is, is an open, green field. And there is a, is, is a stream flowing with fresh, cold water, exactly what she's looking for. But there's a problem. Because between her and that stream is a huge lion. And it's just staring at her. Are you thirsty? Asked the lion. Oh, I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, said the lion. Oh, may I? Could, could I? W would you mind going away while I do? Asked Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. But oh, the delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Uh, will, will you promise not to do anything to me if I come? asked Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Oh, Jill was so thirsty now that, that without noticing it, she came a step closer. Do, do you eat girls? she asked. I have swallowed up girls and boys Women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say this as if it were boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. Oh, I dare, I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill. Coming another step closer. Well, I, I suppose I must go and look for another stream. There is no other stream, said the lion. There is no other stream. To whom shall we go? There is no one else. Jesus is all I've got, but he's also all I need. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the great lion who gave his life on the cross for us so that we might live through him by faith. And brothers and sisters, he is for you. And he is with you. He is with you now, no matter what you are facing. He is with you now, and he is with you to the end of the age. When he will come back and make all things right. When he will come back and make all sad things come untrue. For there will come a day when he will raise us up. He will raise us up on the last day which will be the first day of his forever kingdom 
of joy. And so as you look to Jesus, and as you look forward to that great day, continue to trust in him. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are with us and that you are for us. I thank you that you are all we need. And we confess to you now that we believe and ask that you would help our unbelief. Help us to trust you in all things every day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to stand for our